I don't think there's any tool that can fix a poor mindset. You could have all the great gear in the world and your mindset can take you out in a heartbeat. But we should not be attached to them to the point that if we lose them or they break or even if they don't function the way we expect them to, that we get so tore up mentally that we cannot function. Hey everybody, welcome to The Survival Show Podcast with Craig and me, David, where it's our job to take you step-by-step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster, and show you how to use the lessons you learned today to thrive in your life tomorrow. And today we've got a great topic that I'm super stoked about. Craig, how are you doing? And one word you can't use today is busy. So how are you doing? (laughs) Hmm. Can't, I can't use the word busy. Is that what you just said? That's, that's you what have, I said. Did I stump you have stumped you? me here, stump right the, here. Stumped the Krigger? You have stumped me. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you've stumped me. I'll put it that way because I'm. I'm. I am <laughs> that word, but I'm not going to use that word. How's that? Computers. How about that? So you have a few things. Can I use two words? Computers. Computers suck. Yes. <laughs> Web hosting. Here's here's the nasty, ugly you. part of of uh, nature education is website hosting domain registrations um, make sure your emails come the way they're supposed to so that you can communicate effectively with people and all that stuff is what I've been doing for like several hours now because we had a like a major volcanic issue (laughs) with some of that stuff this morning oh yeah oh so guys and gals our mission here is to help you progressively increase your survival iq so you leave out of here better prepared at the end of the show than you were at the beginning today we're having a survival q a and we're going to be covering a host topics but we're going to be focusing heavily heavily on edc so if i know david he's probably got a pile of stuff in front of him so he can actually look at it am i right Dude, I have five tiers of EDC sitting out on this <laughs> massive table in the gear case. Oh, man. If, if you guys are familiar at all with some of the videos I've done in, on uh, YouTube, I've got this gear cave set set up, and I've got this new massive table that's like 500 pounds and too big for one person to carry, and it's full of stuff, dude, so I'm psyched. So, yeah, guys and gals, David actually got up with me earlier today about trying to do this on video, and I had to nix that because of my busyness that i'm not allowed to use that word but uh man it's a fantastic idea we need to do that real soon david we need to get one of these podcasts on video we'll we'll try to make that work right next time it yeah that'd be awesome we just need a little bit more heads up it would have been hard for me too because i've been working down here for two hours organizing everything on this table but guys before we get into all this our sponsor this month is tinysurvival.com tiny survivals a website that is actually part of ultimate survival tips one of our brands and it's new and it's cool and you guys have probably heard us talk about it before with regards to the tiny survival guide and the card tiny survival guide craig and i are the authors of that and so this month we're gonna thank the tiny tinysurvival.com We thank Sportsman's Guide for being our sponsor every other month. But as we approach the holidays here, there's a couple of cool things you can find over at tinysurvival.com. One, I'm going to give you guys right now a special code to put in when you check out over at tinysurvival.com, TSS10. And that's going to give you 10% off stocking stuffer bulk packs of 
five or, or ten units on the guides or cards. And that'll give you that 10% off at checkout. Also, shipping on all orders this month is free when you order over $59. And I think if you order any of those stocking stuffer bulk packs, you're going to be over that. So you get free USA shipping. Plus, we have a cool thing over there, Craig. I don't know if you've tried it out, but it took me a while to figure it out. And we have an app that's kind of built into the website where people can go to a, a tab that says build your own kit. And they can build their own pocket survival or Altoids tin kit. And they will, if you guys do that, you'll save 10% on those kits. And those, those will make great gifts for somebody on your list or you on your list. And that's all over at tinysurvival.com. Craig, do you have anything to add to that? No, you, you, for those listening, you need to get over there and build your own kit. Even if it's just for the fun of it. It's a blast. It's like putting a, uh, your own kit together, obviously, but uh, the technology that's there. I've been saying this for years, man. Nobody would listen to me. That you need people need to people need to do this on their websites. You need. I'm, I'm so thankful that you did this. It's really cool. So get over there and check it out. And I think one of the things that we need to mention too, as we're moving forward with that, is that we've got a. Uh, well, we you you guys at Ultimate Survival Tips have a new Facebook group for uh, just tiny survival and ultimate survival tips and all the cool stuff that goes along with that so be looking for that on facebook that way you can get in and we can chat about these things you can tell us what you built into your kit on the website and that way we can all get edc items discussed carry items discussed everything so yeah check it out that's awesome that you mentioned that that i did that well producer ben did it we have a new uh, person helping us out with some of that social media and facebook stuff i had no idea about it except for 10 minutes before we got on and i said does craig know about it he and ben said you're the moderator so that's why i threw that back at you man so thanks for mentioning that so how do people get there just over it's over yeah, on, let me look up the, I, i'm totally ignorant it's over on ultimate survival well, tips the way you facebook. do it folks is that you just go to facebook and in the search engine just type in ultimate survival tips and the survival show podcast group and it'll pop up and you get in there and you've got to answer two or three questions to get into the group. And that keeps it clean so that we don't have a lot of riffraff selling sunglasses and stupid crap like that in a group. So uh, by answering those questions, you'll get in. And, and, and it also helps us get to know you a little bit better as you get into the group. So, yeah, glad you're glad you're coming in. Bring it on, son. We'd love to see you in there. Cool. All right, Craig, you ready to get into this? Let's do it. All right, guys. So our main topic today is everyday carry. So what we're going to do to start out here, Craig, I would just like to take a look at the thing that you came up with and I've adopted because I found it really effective, not only in instruction, but but just as a general guide. Can we just talk through mindset, skills, tactics, and gear? And noticing, everybody notice that gear is at the end of that list and we are mostly going to talk about gear today. So can you step us through that and then bring us into everyday carry and why you think it's important? Yes. Thank you for asking. And I wish I could say that I own that and came up with that, but it's definitely of military origin. Although, although whoever first came up with it, I'm not certain. Uh, but it's the way I like to instruct people on it is I talk about mindset, skills, tactics, and gear being the four puzzle pieces of survival that we need all four of them, all four of them. And that uh, 
by having all four of them, we create a puzzle that is finalized. And when we're missing one, we might still be able to have a portion of the picture, but it could be a whole lot better if we had all four pieces. So we need to be able to develop our mindset to handle survival situations. We, we've got to have the skills, you know, the shelter building, fire building. Uh, we've got to have tactics, which is just my way of, if, infusing into survival discussions the idea of working with others communication skills uh, things of that nature and then gear when all three of those things are lacking we can make up with it with good or even better gear and so again uh, you, you can make it with mindset skills and tactics but you can make your life a whole lot easier if you have gear. The more gear you carry, the easier it is. But if you carry a ton of gear, then it starts to get hard. So there's a, you know, there's that balancing act between the first three and the last one being gear. So yeah, that's kind of where we at on mindset, skills, tactics, and gear. It's the foundation of everything that we do at Nature Reliance School, for sure. And uh, it's been really adopted here with us at the Survival Show podcast, too, which I really appreciate you buying into it with me because I love it. Yeah. So the interesting thing, Craig, and maybe I don't know that this is an error. I think it's just human nature because part of our goal here, I know with you and I, is to kind of demystify survival and simplify it for people and decomplicate it. But I think what happens when people just start getting into emergency preparedness, prepping, survival, self-defense, whatever, it can seem really overwhelming. And let's just face it, a lot of us, me included, in the beginning, we didn't even know necessarily where to go for training to, to learn things. Now we have YouTube and a lot of things like that that can be helpful. So oftentimes we default to gear first. And, you know, marketing helps us down that road. We, we kind of buy into, hey, when you have the right stuff, you're going to be the right person in the right situation, right? So, so we kind of get it backwards a lot of times, don't we? Do you have any, anything there? Um, just that, yes, without a doubt, we get it backwards. And the, what we're doing here is that because a lack of skills and a lack of mindset and lack of tactics, and they can make up with it with gear. And and I don't know what it is. It's so easy for people to see skills and gear because that's what people see. And that's I think it's because we have a very competitive nature about us in in our country here in the U.S. That skills are things that we can compete with one another on. Who builds a better shelter? Who's got the best shelter? Who builds a, and ties the fastest knots and stuff like that? Stuff of that nature that we can measure those things. And so we in this country kind of dig into them and we just forego mindset and tactics, just working with other people, which we almost will always be doing. And so, uh, yeah, the gear, the gear is a crutch, you know, the gear, all the gear that we're going to talk about today, people that have existed on earth for hundreds of thousands of years and different cultures didn't have any of it. And they did just fine we've removed ourselves from that. And so we need to become more self-reliant. And so we utilize gear to help us do that. Man, I could talk about this all day long. It kind of gets me. Sorry. You're going to have to rein me in on this stuff today. So, 
Well, let's just jump into gear. And uh, before we go any further, I just want to mention to those that have been faithfully following along in the Tiny Survival Guide, Craig and I took a lot of time to really come up with some good gear checklists. And I think they're somewhere, Craig, between 20 and 24 gear checklists, starting from kind of mini pocket survival kits, some basic stuff up, up into more advanced. And as we get into this, we're actually not going to be, I'm not going to be working uh, line by line through the tiny survival guide, but we're going to maybe look at more of the stuff that, that we've adopted ourselves, maybe even talk about some specific types of tools or brands. But as we, as we transition into this, I just want to say that we are designed to use tools. This is something that I've heard you say many times. God gave us a thumb, which we don't realize the power of the thumb in creation, but you take away the thumb and it makes life a whole lot more different. So God gave us a thumb, intelligence, and creativity to make stuff and solve that can solve problems and make our lives easier, like you were mentioning and everyday carry items that I think we're going to start out with are going to be oftentimes light, multi-purpose, and extraordinarily helpful. And as you already mentioned, everyday carry tools give us a backup or a crutch. You mentioned that word, and I agree with you, in areas that we may be lacking in skills or tactics. But something I want to throw up and maybe get get your perspective on this is it it can't, they can't fix mindset. Like, I think they can, I think that the right tools can make up a little bit for skills, maybe even a little bit for tactics, but mindset's a completely different thing. And I don't think there's any tool that can fix a poor mindset. You could have all the right gear in the world and your mindset can take you out in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I'm thinking the same thing's true for a pack. The same thing's true for a knife. And and I've said this a million times about different knives that I have. I, I designed a knife and I'm selling them and I love them and I'm going to be utilizing them a lot. But I've also got a knife that I will still utilize because I built it with my dad many years ago. And that knife means a lot to me. And even though that knife is not worth literally a penny to anybody else in the world, it means the world to me. Now, if I lose it, well, I shouldn't say it that way. If I lose it, big deal, I'll move on. I'm not attached to things. But when I do use it, it brings back a flood of really positive memories for me. So I take very good care of it, if that makes sense. So that's, that's what I mean by one caveat. If you've got that piece of equipment that inspires you, if you will, to have a stronger mindset or to get out and do things, like I know people that have had have come to our classes with different pieces of material, particularly knives that belong to their dad or granddad. And they wanted to get out and do something with them. They may have not gotten out and done anything if they didn't have that knife sitting around their house. Does that make sense? That does. Yeah. So that nostalgic aspect or that legacy aspect of, of a tool, or maybe somebody saved up two or $300 and bought a great knife or a great pack or something they always wanted. And uh, that can ins- inspire them to get out. I know Karen has a really, really nice pack that she got and she's just itching to get out and use it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and pushes, again, pushes here, us that way. And, I, and I'll say this not to give away what I do in survival classes. If I've got a guy or gal in class that has a knife or a pack like that, I'll let them train and utilize it during class. But when it comes time to test, I will take that from them by surprise. 
and force them to not be dependent upon it and not to be attached to it, if that makes sense. There's a big difference. Man, we are getting way off the rails here, David, but I think this is important. Sorry. I told you, man, you're going to have to rein me in today. Um, there, this idea of attachment, I think, is what is important. Yes, certain tools can inspire us, but we should not be attached to them to the point that if we lose them or they break or even if they don't function the way we expect them to, that we get so tore up mentally that we cannot function. Mm-hmm. Does that make, does, I hope that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. I think there are a couple of examples of this, even in the, I haven't been following. I don't know if uh, this TV series alone is still on, but I remember a couple of instances over the first couple of seasons where people losing or breaking or having a certain tool or not having a certain tool really messed with their heads. And, and in some instances kind of took them out. So now this is, I mean, you're talking psychology here, you're talking mindset. So that's, that's really good stuff, Craig. So let's jump into philosophy and approach a little bit. I think we've, we've covered that, but maybe let's just cover some, we can even reemphasize some things that you mentioned. Let's just, maybe just cover some errors that we would encourage people to, to maybe watch out for some potholes along the road when it comes to gear and everyday carry gear. Anything rise to the top of your mind there? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that jumps out of me at me and maybe it's because I'm somewhere in between uh, left brain and right brain, but I definitely fall on the right brain side of things. I like to look at systems of everything, systems of thinking, systems of tactics, systems of gear, and what have you. So typically I lay out gear as a method of understanding in what I refer to as tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four. So we lay things out a little bit differently in the tiny guide because it was a tiny guide and it was important that we do that. And I love how you put those checklists together. Uh, for the tiny guy, I, I, I went into greater detail in my first book on survival on these tiers of gear because it was a big book and I had the opportunity to be able to dig into it a little bit more, but, but that tier one gear in anything that you followed me on anybody that's listening in is what we're talking about today is that EDC, that stuff that you literally are going to carry every day. And quite frankly, I get too bent out of shape sometimes with people saying, what's your EDC today? What's your EDC today? All this stuff. It just drives me insane. I mean, for forever, it was like, how many knives do you have? Cause you have a different EDC knife every day kind of thing. And you know, that, that tells me that they're not familiar with their tools. That's a really good point, Craig. I, I actually, you caught me by surprise when you mentioned that people ask you that all the time, not because I haven't been asked it, but for me, my everyday carry is largely the same with just some minor modifications as I go as a piece of equipment maybe proves this, itself better or a situation requires me to consider uh, another piece of gear. And I think that's what you're talking about, right? So I'm pretty, yeah, I'm very I mean, familiar with all the tools I have. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, here, here's how my ED changes. If it's illegal to carry a gun, I don't. Oh, that's it. That's all that changes. And it's been the same for years now. And so, I mean, the only thing that has changed really is maybe I'll, I'll update my tourniquet. Uh, I've updated my tourniquet a couple times as I've had more training. And, and I change out. 
because I, I typically carry with me some hemostatic gauze with me as well. And so I'll change that out regularly. Everything else is pretty much the same. I mean, I've been carrying the same flashlight for almost 10 years and I use that thing almost every day. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, uh, that familiarity is something that I think is important. I've always been taught that guns and knives and even axes and shovels and, and rakes and stuff of that nature should become an extension of you, you know? And so I was taught that on the farm and I was taught that in martial arts. And so those things, the more familiar you are with a tool, then, I mean, it, it goes back to even thinking about a, carrying a sidearm. When you pick that sidearm arm, side arm up, I know if it's loaded or not. I know if, I, hey, I went to the range and I shot a few of my carry rounds and I forgot to load it. When I pick it up, it doesn't feel right because that, that weapon is an extension of me. And if I changed my pistol out every day and got a new, I got, got my, Smith and Wesson today, I got my 1911 tomorrow, I got my Glock 19 the next day, then I may not understand that, if that makes sense. That does make sense. So part of what I'm picking up here is, is that one, you want to have confidence in your tools. Two, to have confidence in your tools, you have to use them and figure out what works for you. So that, something I want to cover maybe in the future is how people can increase their survival IQ today we're talking about how you can increase your everyday carry IQ. And I think the first tip here is pick, pick a limited selection of gear and then work it, like use it. If you've got a headlamp, get out there and use it. Go out in the dark, go camping, use that headlamp. If you've got a tactical flashlight, use it. If you've got a firearm, become very familiar with it. If you've got a set of gloves, you go out if they still look new go out and do something with them find somebody and chop their wood or you know figure out if those you you got use a brand new pair of leather gloves out in the woods you're going to bust up all kinds of blisters so anyway use your stuff and you want to have confidence in it Craig you got something to say here i can tell yeah man this <laughs> this is a pet peeve for old Craigy here <laughs> Uncle Craig is getting ready to pull you up next to the fire, boys and girls. So pull up a pull up a lawn chair or a rock. So Instagram, it, I mean, you hear these, you'll see these meme jokes on social media about I'm an Instagram model. That's how I look at most survivalists and bushcrafters on Instagram. Because if their if their tools are completely, totally, beautifully clean, and they're not talking about, hey, I just got a new knife and I'm going to be trying this out then I've got a problem with you. I mean, even the stain, my brand new, just designed stainless steel knife, that sucker don't look new anymore. It's stainless steel. I mean, it's not going to get surface rust on it at all, but man, it sure does look like it's been used because it has. And the other one is boots, boots, gloves, and knives, man. Boots. If, if old boy shows up to a class and he's got brand new boots on, then I know that he's a, he's either he's either going to comment about it because he feels uncomfortable. And this goes back to farm boys too. A farm boys can't stand new boots, man, because they know it makes them look like they don't know what they're doing. And so, somebody shows up to a class with me and they got brand new boots on, and they don't remark about them. Then I can tell that they're new, and and that doesn't mean I'm going to make fun of them. I'm not going to make fun of them, but I'm just going to know, hey, you're new, and I'm going to help you. I, I, I I'll be paying attention to them so that 
that I can help them as best I can. And that's what I see on Instagram all the time. You guys, they got a brand new jacket because they just picked up the one that so-and-so TV show guy is wearing. And it ain't got no holes in it from a fire because they've never sat around a fire in that thing. Man, I'm getting off subject here, David. I told you, you're going to rein me in, man. <laughs> I'm getting fired up already. I had no idea I was going to talk about this stuff today. Oh, wow. Can we get back on subject I've I got go crazy a, on somebody? I've got a, yeah, we, we, we can. I got one really quick question that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So I have a buddy who, um, by education, my, my degrees in landscape architecture, but I didn't go the typical route. I didn't sit in an office and design parking lots. I got out and uh, worked for a landscape firm and I, I managed crews and went out there and set up plants and dug holes with the guys as much as I could. So I had a buddy that said, hey, got this new house. Can you do a plan for me and then uh, help me do the install? And I said, sure thing, can do that. And he said, okay, just tell me, give me a list of what I need. I'll go get it. He's like, but the problem is when I go into these places, when I go to the hardware store or the landscape nursery, they just kind of look at me and I feel (laughs) like they ignore me. And I said, okay, dude, so here's what you do. Okay. Unbutton your shirt, wear a beat up t-shirt Get some jeans, get your jeans that you work in, go go in those and get yourself some boots and muddy those up real good some weekend and then go in. So no joke, dude, he did he did that and he came back with a big smile on a Saturday when I was Absolutely. helping him and he said, man, they just, they were just like, hey, well, how can I help you? You know, what what's going on? Looks like you're working on a project. What's going on? Hey. <laughs> so I get that. I really do, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just like these this social media that is so prominent in in the survival community has made people out to. I mean, they can take good photographs, but they don't. I mean, uh, okay, last one, and I'm gonna shut up. Okay, that's why I love shaking hands with people because when I shake hands with you, if you don't have calluses on your hands, then you're not a woodsman. You don't you don't do bushcraft. You can't do those things. You can't do a lot of time training and survival and not have big old hunky calluses on your hands you just can't that doesn't mean that you're devalued and you're not a person it just means that if i want to study with somebody and learn and listen from somebody i want their hands to be calloused i want their boots to be half wore out and i want their knife to look ugly the trifecta of survival right there baby (laughs) so blade show blade show and shot show people were you're going to find that the amount of people that want to shake your hand is going to go down because they're going to be afraid that you're going to be judging them. <laughs> oh, uh, oh man, that's fine. Cause I probably am. I'm not judging them, but I, let's just say that. I probably am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's get this train back on the rails. So, uh, I think Craig, we agree. I had a, we had a little section here on, on just different approaches. I think you and I have this, a very, very similar approach. And this is, I would call this a levels or a tiered approach, maybe a progressive tiered approach. And for me, that's, let's start with the things that we would have on us 80 to 90% of the time. So this would be, I'm just going to start this with essentially our clothes, like your everyday clothes. uh, And then we'll get into what's in your pocket. Because I think it's really important to talk about clothes because that's everyday carry, in my opinion. It is. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with it. So, you know, are, you want me so, to start going down yeah, the list of them? 
Uh, you can start going down a list. Okay, this is part. This is part of the list that'll probably and I'll drive, just jump that, in. That typically drives my wife crazy, but but uh, everything I have is earth toned. Everything, because I want to be when I walk into the woods, no matter what situation, I want to be able to to blend in with the environment. And in the part of the world that I live, even in an urban situation, I wear clothes that that I can blend in with the environment. And when I when I say blend in, is that if I'm going to a big city like Lexington, I'll I usually wear something where I'm going to look like everybody else that loves the Kentucky Wildcats, and so I can blend. I don't want to stand out. So my clothes will originate from that, but I can say for certainty that I've gotten to the point where that I wear cargo pants or cargo shorts almost everywhere I go just because I have to carry some stuff that I feel like is essential, it, it, which is, you know, everyday carry, you know. And, and that includes things like medical supplies that that took it beyond the point where I don't want a ton of stuff in my pockets that are right on my, you know, right on my hips. So I put them in pockets down on my legs or I put them on my belt somewhere. So first things first, I, you know, pants, uh, are key to me. And then, um, I usually have a jump in maybe. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I I totally agree with you on pants. I actually didn't know you were going to say that with regards to pants. And I I do the same thing. Cargo pants. I literally, Craig, I've tried all kinds of different different pants. Uh, I, I don't know what kind you prefer. I, I don't, I don't necessarily need to know that, <laughs> but, but I actually use a, uh, oh, I think it's, uh, I think it's rigs They're like heavy duty canvas pants. They're doubled up in, in certain Im- important places. I just get mine on, on, I think they're Wranglers, uh, workwear and the rigs, rigs cargo pants heavy duty dude very very nice lots of cargo pockets even has that leather that leather spot so you can put your pocket knife right in there or your tool or whatever without wearing out the edge of your pocket and i totally agree with you it is kind of funny i have i have four different colors of the same pants and each one with each color i have a a work pair that i wear outside and then i have a dress pair no joke. So it's really easy for me to dress every day. I just pick my color and pick whether I'm going to be in the office or, or traveling or whether I'm going to be outside in the woods. Pants. Get yourself a lot of pockets. Same thing with a backpack, my opinion. All right, what's next? Well, I'm going to say that I do the same thing, although that sounds really wacky to say that because <laughs> I have... I have a, I'm going to the woods pair of pants and I've got the same pair of pants that are, I'm going to a library to teach pair of pants. <laughs> that sounds so bad, man. Golly. I never it drives, it drives Karen nuts. <laughs> it's, it is funny though. It does drive Karen nuts. She's like, you know, I just go in, I pick my color for Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm, I'm good to go. Wow. Yeah. Um, so shoes and this, this has changed for me. Uh, I developed quite a reputation for being a guy that was just fascinated with, uh, Crocs and I, I still have my Crocs, but I quit wearing them because they actually cause some issues for my feet, like issues that I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to get over. Uh, a good podiatrist friend of mine told me years ago, Craig, don't wear those Crocs as much as you're wearing them. It'll cause problems. Well, he was right. 
And so I can't wear my Crocs cause they just, they cause pretty significant issues. So, but at the same time, a couple of my friend, my more tactical, tactically minded friends were always on me anyway. Craig, you got to get shoes on so you can run and fight. And, and they were right. And I just put that because Crocs are so daggone comfortable, but, but nevertheless, I, I do everything I can to wear shoes that I can fight in from a self-defense perspective, whether that's just my, I, I typically wear tennis shoes. I'm very comfortable in those, or I wear Merrill Moabs, uh, otherwise. So if I'm going to be in an incredibly wet environment, I've got mutt boots that I wear. So that's pretty much the three types of shoes that I wear. But I can do just about anything and everything that I want to do in my new balance tennis shoes that I do everything with. I, I went out and did a bunch of stuff outdoors yesterday in them. But, uh, but yeah, I, want, I think you should have good shoes so you can move. And I like to bring this up for ladies in particular. When you go to the office and you're wearing high heels, for example, and something happens and you've got to, you've got to walk home because the car breaks down something simple. Like you got to walk to a gas station or something of that nature. It would be nice to have an extra pair of shoes in the car so that you can put those on. If that, if that ever happens to you. That's good stuff. I'm very similar as you. Uh, it really depends on the condition. I've got muck boots, wear those a lot. I've got ones that are insulated. I've got shorter ones. They come in handy, especially where I live. I've got some higher boots. I've got some Bates uh, boots with the uh, waterproof membrane in them that work really good, and especially in fall and spring. My Probably my 80% boot when I'm going on a hike or doing anything that's going to be beyond my garden outside, I, I wear Rocky S2V boots, proven military-style boot. A lot of, a lot of guys wear those and I, I absolutely love them. I've been wearing those since late 2013, same pair. They still feel like slippers to me. They feel better than Crocs. And, uh, as, as far as versatility, I'm just the same. I've got to be able to move in all of them. I got to be able to, I want to be able to go on a hike run. Uh, even at, at times when I'm traveling, I might forget my running shoes and, uh, but I've got some my preference is Keens just because they're kind of like a all-purpose shoe and I've I've got a little bit wider feet so they're real kind in that way so very much the same uh, again with with clothing it's just really important to be ahead of the curve as far as what the weather is going to give you and what the situation might offer you and I think that's what you're saying if you're going to have dress shoes you want to maybe close by have a pair of something that that is more comfortable, that gives you a little bit more vers- versatility of movement uh, close by. Yeah, and another thing, just to, man, we, we, uh, we're we focusing in a whole lot more than I thought. This is we going to be like three podcasts. <laughs> it is, but, it's, uh, but, I, but I think this is important. And the reason being is what I'm getting ready to say is that there were two or three of the scenarios that I gathered for uh, my first book because I say this all the time, but I'll just say it quickly again. I gathered 200 stories how people experienced tragedy or death in the outdoors before I wrote my first book, and there was two or three of them that happened because of poor choices with footwear, meaning they went out and they did exactly what I just described, which is they got the car uh, stuck in a snowbank or they went off the side of the road, and now they have to go try to find help, and they were wearing dress shoes. And the dress shoes, you know, their feet got wet, which made them stop. And, and then they end up, you know, dying from hypothermia. 
And so, you know, just something simple as a, the type of shoes that you carry with you, if you're in dress shoes is, is important to, to survival. Let's talk a little bit about socks. Socks are more, I think they're underrated as far as what people care about. But as far as I'm concerned, you're having the appropriate socks is, is as important as almost as important as important as having uh, the right footwear because it is an extension of your footwear. And as far as like versatility and all weather, even even in the summertime, and because they can be a little bit more readily, uh, they wick moisture and they can be readily uh, washed and air dried overnight. I I prefer merino wool socks, um, specific brand that I found to be extraordinarily tough, offer various uh, different types of socks, thicker ones and thinner ones for, for summer, and all that would be darn tough. Uh, merino wool is it's not your it's not your granddad's wool it's a i under if i'm understanding it right it's a it's a much finer wool it doesn't even feel like wool but it has all of the amazing properties of of keeping you warmer when you need to be warmer uh keeping wicking when you need to be cooler and a pretty extraordinary uh, versatility as far as as far as comfort and uh as far as strength i don't know about you what do you what do you do for socks i don't always wear merino wool but if i'm going out i'm going if i'm going out anywhere if if i'm going more than 20 miles from my home or i'm going hiking anywhere merino wool is going to be my first choice i've got uh, the same exact mindset i wear cotton working out at the gym and stuff like that and i wear cotton a lot just going to dinner or something but i but no different than, I mean, inside my boots that I keep, if I'm going to have dress shoes on, are a better pair of socks. And they are always merino wool. Always. I'm the same. They're comfortable. Yes. Yeah. Nice. And I would just point out again, if, you've, if you're if you not in this mindset, then try out some merino wool. You'll, you'll find that they're incredibly comfortable. Yep. Everybody listening. Now, I'm curious. Do you have a brand? There's another brand that's... <laughs> that's competitive with darn tough that I actually, Karen has this exact same pair of socks. She did not have a problem. I had a problem. And so like, I've got a negative opinion. Do you have a particular brand of Merino? No, I I probably got generally here at my house. We've got a actual tub of socks because we all share uh, mm-hmm. socks like that. I mean the Merino wools cause we first started doing that cause they were so expensive and then I started doing right. what I do now, and so companies send me stuff all the time. Um, the most comfortable pair of socks that I have that I love the most are made by Carhartt, believe it or not. Um, and uh, I've got really? some darn tough socks, and they are tough, but I don't find them to be as comfortable as Carhartt. They're not as comfortable, right? Yeah, so, yep. I mean, it, it is what it is. Gotcha. So we're going to... We're going to talk about maybe an uncomfortable topic for some people, but I'll, I'll lead us into this underwear, <laughs> which underwear is really important depending on the season. Um, I, the only piece of underwear I'm particularly going to talk about is, is uh, the versatility of, of having like an under armor type underwear or uh, ex officio underwear. Because if you're in any kind of a situation, 
Uh, one, it, it'll wick moisture from your body and pretty durable. And two, if you're in a, if you're in a tight spot and you hygienically, you need to uh, clean it and dry it quickly. Uh, those nylon hybrid type underwears work really good. I agree. I'm the same way. Uh, I, in my opinion, I, I just, I don't have the budget to be able to afford that on every day. Um, but if, if I know I'm setting myself up to go outside, uh, for, and I'm going to be, you know, and I set myself up if I'm traveling far from home, I'll, yeah. I mean, if I, I mean, even if I'm leaving an hour from home, if I think about that as I'm getting dressed and I will put the type of underwear on that I know, well, I mean, here's the general idea. Everywhere I travel, I think about what do I need to be able to walk back home? It doesn't matter. Like I just taught up in Pennsylvania not too long ago. I had the kit available to walk all the way back home. And that includes underwear. I mean, if I'm going 45 minutes to an hour from home, I don't want to be walking with cotton underwear chafing. And this is no, I mean, this is, this is not something to, to laugh at. I don't know why people get, some people do get comfortable about it, but you get chafed up, dude, you're hard. It's hard to be, it's hard to do what you need to do when you get all chafed up. Uh, and that, that's a problem. And under, and cotton underwear is going to be the death of you in that situation. And I asked this question to a bunch of uh, guys that I trained. I don't know how to say this. Yeah. That I trained a long time ago that were all, well, they, they do some really high speed stuff. I'll put it that way. And, uh, a lot of them said they either wear under armor or they don't wear underwear at all. They just literally, I mean, these are commandos. So, I mean, they literally go commando a lot. <laughs> so, um, that's something to consider too. I, I have found the benefit to doing both under different circumstances. And so I think it's worthy of, of, uh, figuring out what works for you. Cause everybody's, everybody excretes sweat differently. No joke. I mean, some things that may work for me don't work for you, but I think it's worth considering for people to check out different types of underwear and to actually consider commando. It's a whole, yeah. Yeah. Consider that. Good stuff. The, the other, the only other major thing that I'm always going to have on me, unless I'm, I'm literally about ready to go to bed is going to be a belt. We may differ a little bit on our preferences here, Craig, you, you know, that I think, you know, I've, I've been wearing in almost every circumstance, except one time last year where I had to go to New York city and wear a three piece suit. I wear a, a paracord belt. It gives me about a hundred. I think I measured it at 110 foot of paracord, which if you guys don't know the beauty of paracord, the 550 type, you have seven inner strands and then you have an outer casing. So if, if you have a hundred feet of paracord, you have, if you break it down, you have, what did I say? So you would have like 800 feet of usable cordage. So there's one brand that I, I started using, I think it was like about 2013. And I've never gone back. They actually made me one in a special color that I wanted. I, I think I wanted camo and they did that, but it's Rattler strap. They just do a fantastic job. Their buckles are very attractive. I've never had a failure. I, I've got two of them that I that I interchange depending on the pants that I'm going to wear that particular day. But most, honestly, most paracord belts that I've 
had before and seen since are just kind of cheesy. These are really, really tight weave. And the one that I have on now, I have literally been wearing it for five years and it's just never failed me. And I haven't ever had to use it and that's cool. So that would be, I don't know if you have anything on belts. The only other thing that I would say is I have considered, Craig, bonding a a piece of leather on the inside of my paracord belt only because stropping, especially when I do stuff out in the woods and I know I'm going camping or, or going to be out for a day or so with a knife, um, I do like the opportunity to be able to strop my bladed tools. And the paracord belt does not offer me that solution, whereas a, a decent leather belt with a with a nice side for stropping and a little bit of stropping compound that you can just put on there and, and leave it and just refresh it every couple of months it is the only thing that I miss with my paracord belt. And I have other solutions for that. But if anybody's considering it, that's one thing to consider. Yeah, that's a good point. How about you with belts? I wear a, I wear a, a real stiff 511 and I get it oversized so I can carry a okay. pistol uh, more comfortably. But uh, I'm gotcha. I'm in the same boat as far as uh, I, you know, as far as going outdoors, I like to have either a leather belt on or leather boots or something leather that I can strop a knife in the outdoors because I do that pretty regularly. You know, I the bell just the light bulb just went on. I just realized that that I do not have a pair of shoes that I wear outside that doesn't at least have a significant spot of leather on it. So you just solved my problem for me. Thank you, Craig. (laughs) Well, I'm always here to help, son. So, yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought about strapping my knife on my shoes. (laughs) That's great. Just hang Uh, around me all. Now, on my belt, I don't, I don't, I don't, (laughs) I don't, you had mentioned your firearm, so... Maybe we can get into that. We can go out now from our clothes unless there's anything else that you have to say about that. Um, n- nothing other than from the waist up, that changes based upon the seasons. You know, whether I'm going wicking or cotton. You know, if it's summertime, I typically wear a cotton so that if it gets wet, then it'll help keep me cool. Uh, and then I wear something wicking. And there's a man, I've had a lot of people that debate me on that and say, I don't know what I'm talking about. And that's okay. I mean, it's my life. I'm the one that's outside in it. Um, but uh, like this time of year where it's starting to get cool, I'll typically wear a long sleeve wicking shirt when I go out. Almost every time, especially if I'm traveling, especially if I'm traveling, because I never know when I might have to walk home. Yep. For sure. So let's just wrap that in, and then and then we'll kind of mostly f- finish out for this everyday carry on clothes. I'm sitting on next to the table. I've got basically layers. I've this time of the year. I'm much the same way right now because it is actually snowing here, Craig, and it's kind of like a rainy snow. I've got multiple layers on. I've got a I've got a long sleeve. Uh, uh, I think they call them Hentley shirt. It's got a little button down for uh, ventilating in the top part, but it doesn't button the whole way down. I've got a long sleeve button up shirt, but then I've got a couple of layers here that I, I almost always have on me. Um, kind of an insulated 
button-up jacket slash shirt that has insulation in it. And I almost always, this time of the year, no matter what, have a down snap-up vest that if I'm not wearing that, that's going in my pack or it's going somewhere because it takes up so much little room, but it can buy me so much more protection from the cold. And a some sort of a hat. I'm always going to have some sort of a hat. In the summertime, I'm going to have more of like a, a baseball or a ball cap on my pack. Uh, and always, always, always in my backpack, I have a uh, an insulated... Uh, insulated like that. I, I used to call them tassel caps. What do they call those? Like just an insulated cap. And I always have that regardless of the season. Yeah. Just a cap. And you, maybe at this point, do you want to tell us your little analogy as far as your body being a heater and, and just the, the concept, especially since we're getting into fall and winter and in the Northern hemisphere, uh, I think it would be helpful to take people through just real basically how to dress for this season. Yeah, it's real simple. What I try to tell everybody is uh, this time of year when it's getting cold and we have to be concerned about hypothermia, hypothermia, where your body gets too cold and it can't function properly, is that that your body, those of you that are listening, my body for myself is the only heater that we actually carry around with us all the time. Now we can have some of those uh, hand warmers and stuff that we might take with us, but really it's the only heater that we carry around with us. And if we set it up for success, it will work well. But if we set it up for failure, then it doesn't work properly. And so that is real important when we're thinking about what clothes we're going to wear, what kind of gear we're going to sleep in at night or something of that nature. Because again, um, if we're doing things that are detrimental that help blood flow, for example, a big one that I tell people as far as sleeping in a sleeping bag, the best possible thing that you can do is get out of all your clothes, all of them and get into the sleeping bag. Uh, the reason for this is that your when your blood flows properly, you, your body as a heater works optimally. It works to its highest capacity as far as maintaining your heat. And so if you have any clothes on that restrict blood flow, then you're causing that to not work as well as it could. So if you wear tight socks, if you have pants on with a belt, you know, I had somebody in class recently, they got in with, they, they put on an extra pair of pants. They put on a big, thick pair of socks that were tight and they had a real tight fitting hat because they didn't want it to fall off on them at night. And all of that caused them to get cold. And on the second night, I said, take all of that off. You came to class. Listen to me. You, you paid money to come to class and listen to me. Take all that off and get in that sleeping bag because it got colder the second night. Trust me and then see what happens. And they went to bed and didn't wake up till the next morning because they slept through the whole night and never got cold because mm-hmm. they set their body up mm-hmm. for success. Yeah, the other part of that, Craig, and I think this is a natural tendency, and I actually have to fight myself on this when it's cold out is to want to wear your your hooded sweatshirt, your jacket, and everything in your sleeping bag. And what happens is because because your core is is where the the heat emanates from your body, that's the surplus heat is going to heat the rest of your body. What ends up happening is your legs can get really your legs and fingertips and feet 
can get really cold in that situation. Yeah, and that's again because you got too many clothes on, your blood can't flow properly. And not to mention that the heat that's coming off your body, man, we went, we took this podcast in the craziest direction today I've ever thought about we might do, but that's okay. This is good info. Hey, just so everybody's listening, we haven't really touched the notes today yet. So with that said, uh, when your body is putting off that heat, if you're in a sleeping bag and, and 411 uh, layers of clothes, your body has to heat up every single layer of those clothes before that sleeping bag gets to do anything. And so by the time that heat comes off the body and goes through those layers of clothes, those different layers of clothes uh, will cool that off. And then you're, you're just not efficient at all. And so the best thing to do is get in there naked. Heat comes off your body. The insulated sleeping bag does what it's supposed to do, and you stay warmer. It's the craziest thing, and, and it's just it's you just need to do it. If you don't believe me, just do it. You know, Nike, just do it. That's really good stuff, Craig. We are. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at the time. Let's see what can we handle we're, here. We're done. We're done. <laughs> we're done. So, well, think about it, man. We already, yeah. All right. So, Craig, why don't you take us out of here? <laughs> do you have a question? Do you want to do like a real, do we have a really quick question from folks or, or what? I didn't look down at the notes. Let me look. Cause we've got some, we got some, Hey, let's, let's just jump in there on this. It's a little bit, it's really hitting the news hard in the last week, but there was a, and this is, this goes to something, uh, something along the lines that we were talking about earlier in the business, the industry of, of outdoors and survival is that this website called backcountry.com. Have you seen this, David? You know what I'm getting ready to talk about at all? I have. I don't think I have. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's been big news that backcountry.com has been in the business in the last few uh, months in particular, but also uh, a couple years ago, suing companies that were using the word backcountry. And, and, They've finally, finally, they've, you know, the outdoor industry, the consumers have risen up and said, guess what? I'm not buying anything from backcountry.com anymore. And they have lost, they, they have just hemorrhaged, hemorrhaged the ability to make money. I mean, it would not surprise me if that company does not completely go out of business now. And it's just the ugliness of the industry saying that I own the word backcountry. And and I think this should go along with, well, it goes along with survival and bushcrafting and backcountry skills or whatever, all these different things. Uh, I was talking with one of my primitive skills instructors, Doug Meyer, the other day, and we were talking about how nobody ever gives credit to their teachers anymore. And that's a shame. That's, that's an absolute that's that's ridiculous. And you've got these guys that learn something on YouTube or they read a book and then they put it on a video on their own YouTube channel and call it their own. And there's a, and there's some really famous people that are doing this. And that is wrong. That that, that that could not be more wrong. We can't. I don't own survival skills. Craig Cottle doesn't. David doesn't. I don't own being able to use a knife a certain way. That's just what it is. And we need to be okay and share those things and not try to pretend as if we're the ones that own them and, uh, just, you know, mm-hmm. share with one another, learn from one another and, and go about it that way. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, back to this back country. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And I just looked up the article that you had a link to in the notes here. And it is really interesting. It looks like they trademarked that many years ago. And oftentimes, just because I've got multiple brands and I've got at least a trademark or two, the more common terms, at least now, it's very, very, very difficult to get a trademark on that includes common terms. For example, ultimate survival or even ultimate, ultimate anything. Just because it's commonly used, it's very difficult to do that. Uh, as far as trademarks go, people can add a logo to it. They can add a tagline, something that's completely unique in the industry that is not a common term that people would use. So it's actually surprising to me that they've been able to uh, claim so many lawsuits or file so many lawsuits against people. Maybe people just didn't fight it or didn't have the money to fight it. They didn't. And that was the issue. That was the issue because they're so big. They were going after these little companies because they knew they couldn't fight it. And there's been more than one company that absolutely end up changing their name because of because they simply did not have the ability to fight backcountry.com. And it's and it's sad. Interesting. It is sad. So yeah. Well, that's a good awareness, my friend. And I I do appreciate the the whole concept of us giving credit where credit's due in in anything. In anything. And I think we see this in, in social media so much where people just just claim kind of exclusive knowledge to to skills or, or almost anything. But we all, let's just face it, we all learned it from somewhere. And I think it's only appropriate in those situations to uh, give credit where credit's due. So I think that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. So Craig, here we are. We've, we haven't even talked about stuff that we can put on our belts. We haven't talked about wallet carry EDC or other things like knives that we might have on us. We haven't talked about pocket kits or bags, but we'll get back to that. I I think this is a conversation and and a a very interesting thing. I know from what people really like to listen to, they, they do like it when we talk through gear because it is really important and helpful to people. For those that follow the Survival Show podcast, Manly Musings, uh, I don't hardly ever get into gear because we talk about it here or David talks about it, but I've got three podcasts coming up that are talking about three pieces of gear that are probably the most important things you can carry. So, and so I stepped out of my norm a little bit. And, uh, so for you gearheads out there, you'll get, you'll get a little, uh, a little bit of satisfaction from the manly musings that are coming your way real soon. And then Dave, David and I will definitely get back on this EDC topic because, it's, it's important. And for those that are like disappointed and I doubt there are, cause you all are here because you, you know, you're cool and you're smart and you think critically through things. It's not sexy and cool, but your clothes and how you wear them are, are key to you staying alive and under, um, weird circumstances. And I, again, I'll talk about that book. My first book, there were several people that died because they got up in the morning and they put on the wrong clothes. Now, there was a lot of circumstances that led to it, but if they'd had different clothes on, they'd probably still be alive today. And so, although it's not a real sexy topic to talk about in survival, uh, it is important. That's really good stuff, Craig. And next week, we want to give everybody a teaser on next week. Christmas. We, we discussed talking about. 
I'm dreaming of a gear-based Christmas. Yes, son. We're going to be talking about gear, talking about all these cool things that you can get for Christmas. Um, I know David does this. You, you've you been doing this for a while now on the, your YouTube channel. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll talk about some things you can pick up for your survival and bushcraft friends, family, buddies, whatever it might be, and uh, all kinds of cool stuff. Right? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, that's what How we're about that do. singing. We'll do that next week. That um, I think you should stick to uh, <laughs> outdoor instruction and writing books. <laughs> okay, I agree, dude. You cut loose today. I've never, I've, I have never heard you sing, and you never want to hear <laughs> me awesome. sing again, right? Oh man, let me take us out. <laughs> hey guys and gals, thanks for. Uh, I'll tell you what. Here, here's how you can support us. Any of the ways that we always talk about, go to tinysurvival.com and all these things, the uh, uh, tiny survival gear, survival show podcast, all the different things that we talk about. If you go and support us, I will not sing again on this podcast. <laughs> so yeah, jump in there take care of us and, and I'll take care of you all and I won't sing again. We really appreciate you all. We have a lot of fun here and we hope you do too. Our purpose is always to, uh, to do what we can to help you ready to be ready for disaster survival and all the things that go along with it. So you can help us freely by subscribing to the podcast. Now it's free to do that, obviously. So that ensures that you don't miss out on this or any other episode. Many thanks to all of you all who've already done that. We can't thank you enough. I say that every week because it's important to me. I thank you all very much for that. And if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Go over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, give us a five-star rating on Spotify or wherever you might be listening to us. And look in the description below. Click the links for the things that we have mentioned, particularly, particularly go back and listen at the beginning when Davis, David told us about UST. What is it? UST 10, David? Uh, oh, yeah. Tiny survival discount would be TSS 10. TSS 10. Okay. TSS10. The survival show 10. That's right. TSS 10. Sorry, I messed that up, you all. So check that out. Get on the website. Save yourself some cashola that way you can get some other stuff and pass that on to somebody for christmas there you go thank you so much we appreciate you listening we'll see you next time on the survival show podcast keep it simple be positive and stay sharp